back, everyone, to the Punk Rock Horror Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Cody. Today, we're here to remind you that whatever you're going through in life, whatever facet it is, whatever background you come from, when it comes to horror, Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers, and Freda Krueger do not discriminate. Yeah, they'll kill you no matter what. Yeah, they'll definitely still kill you flat out. So, I mean... Pretty much. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know it, what? So... Nah. At least Michael won't kill you during mid-coital. I feel like... Has I don't I, I don't haven't know. seen Michael Myers kill good, anybody in mid mid maybe in a Rob Zombie film did he possibly no because he killed the guys who after they raped no yeah. it was in the yeah. middle uh, never mind yep uh, yep all right yep, never mind he so, doesn't discriminate I'm glad we saw well at least it was a bad man though it wasn't two teens who were loving each other <laughs> <laughs> Jason yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm gonna do. I don't know they love each other. I just want my mommy. <laughs> I'll just kill who my mom points at. <laughs> and she's in my head. <laughs> you, think the face, you think this hockey mask is an actual hockey mask? It's my gateway to my mommy. <laughs> <laughs> this hockey mask helps me. And then he just like pulls up like, he just like takes like a fucking club sandwich, puts it in a blender with like milk and just like blends it all. He's like... He's <laughs> <laughs> just... You just see Chucky, like, off to the side going, the fuck is that? <laughs> you know, uh, quick shout-out, uh, honorable mention. That is also a movie that was actually really heavily mentioned as uh, a favorite in the, in the LGBTQ community as well. Uh, Seed of Chucky. Oh, yeah! Yeah. Yeah, because uh, because the kid doesn't know what he wants, what it wants. Yeah, well, in the they they introduce because um, he's the first trans. What's the f- what do they what is the fucking kid's name? I actually can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. Either. Oh, but anyways, it's, uh, a, it's a it's a gender neutral name. I remember that because it yeah. goes both ways, like Jamie. Oh my god, was it Jamie? Name? I feel like it now was Jamie. Uh, either way, point being, that was, I mean that was my that I can remember. I know there was ones before, but memory wise, that was my first real right. interaction with the LGBTQ community. Right, right. See, my only thing about him as a character is that I still am calling fucking shenanigans. Glenn. The, Glenn. Cause yeah, he, Glenda. Cause he's like, yeah, that's he's like, right. No, daddy, it's Glenda. Yeah, and like finally, like <laughs> fucking just like offs Chucky. Yeah, I, I remember now. I laughed my ass off so bad. I was just he's like, no, daddy. It's like Glenda. Uh, you know, but seriously though, like the one thing I will say about that movie that I'm still gonna call shenanigans on is that he fucking knows kung fu because he's from China. He's made in China. All right, whatever. So was Chucky and just Tiffany's doll. Yeah. So why wasn't it fucking Crouching Tiger and Crouching Tiger hitting Chucky then at that point? You know. I don't know. I guess it's because Chucky and Tiffany were like had the minds of their original American forms, and he was. He was, oh, like he was made in China? I don't know, because he, he gives birth see, to him. And you see why, like, I just kind of write off that film, because I'm just like, fuck it, whatever, man. It's just, a, it's it's a popcorn movie, man. It's, it's a, I mean, if it means something to you, more power to you. I'm not I gonna, like Cedar Chucky. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna take it a fucking way from anybody. I just, <laughs> for me, I just, yeah. I, I couldn't get behind it. I, I still like, want to see Glenn slash Glenda in the new in the new when they continue this series because they already talked about how because i remember me and you were talking about it um how in the the see uh cult of chucky right, right. and stuff how they never address yeah glenn or glenda but they address tiffany of course well i'm wondering if and like I, well they say they do because literally that week we saw an article i was like yeah we're not done with glenn 
<laughs> oh man, I'm wondering. We'll see if he comes back in the series. Yeah, or that's she, what I'm thinking. He turned he, out. He stick. He stuck with he okay. at the very end. He took the soul. He took the soul right. of the boy. Okay, I could. I could remember. Yeah, the only reason I, I I love that movie. I watched it a lot. That's why I remember. <laughs> I mean, my favorite, I mean to be fair, it does favorite, have John Waters, and I do love yeah. John Waters. My favorite death is. I think John Waters is death. <laughs> he has the most spectacular know, like, acid melting. And yeah, just, ah! and it's fucking John Waters. He did Pink Flamingo, so you know he oh had fun my with God. it. Which you know, like shout out to a classic. You know, really, really like uh, underground film. If you've seen if if you've seen Pink Flamingos, you know what Pink Flamingos is. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, look it up at your own discretion. I mean, it's 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 nothing gory. But you're going to fucking just, remember it. Yeah, you'll remember it. I mean, I guess there's technically some gore in it, but... Uh, eh, you know, yeah, that's not what you're going to take away from that movie. <laughs> yeah, like, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a fucking trip. Uh, the credits literally sure. almost made me vomit. <laughs> so, I mean, so which I guess it is a testament to the f- overall film itself. That's what they wanted. Yeah. I think. Yeah, no, it is. John, John Waters and, uh, you know, he's... He's a brilliant person. <laughs> and I, I do genuinely mean that because uh, re- watch enough interviews with him if you if you can and uh, you'll see what I'm talking about. I don't know. That's just my own personal perspective. But talking about personal perspectives, we are now going to shift into our next segment of our Friday episode, our, one of our most popular segments called Something You Love, Something You Hate. This is the segment of the show where if you're new to us, we will take something that we love and hate that's happened in our lives that we viewed in the past day week or month that we just want to talk on and share with you ghouls gals goons alike and well maybe get your perspectives on it with that being said uh because i did by technicality go first last time cody why don't you take it away you did yeah but that was a long time ago for me (laughs) it's 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 been a few years and that's the thing i hate (laughs) (laughs) my memory um no uh the thing i love this week actually i've been so i've been really trying to find new outlets for myself because like so i i've been really really struggling with my mental health this month that is actually the thing that i hate is actually the the hard struggle that uh, it's really putting on me uh this entire month because like it's it's been hard I and mean, right, this month right. has actually been really hard on me yeah yeah and i mean to the point where like i didn't even really give in the, the world circumstances also but like i didn't really like i wasn't looking forward to my birthday whatsoever this month like i didn't make any plans like dev and my mom were bugging me about what we what i wanted to do for it and i just i just couldn't right. i didn't want i wasn't i'm not excited about it or anything well and i know just, me and you are making plans for your birthday like coming next month yeah and uh, hopefully with like hopefully things calm down a little bit more in the in the world with the the coughing thing the other things <laughs> Still needs to be in upheaval until that shit is fucking fixed. Because Jesus Christ is twenty twenty. Right. It wish that it should have already been way past fixed. But the fact that we're still talking about it now, I mean, is good. So I don't think it should be quiet. Going on. I'm talking uh, for me personally. It's just been my mental health. It's just been fucking terrible this month. The thing I love though kind of deals with it because it. Uh, I have you know I've really stepped up to like actually accepting the fact that I have issues um, with my mental health and stuff like that and like it, and the fact that I've you know starting to be more accepting of it a, a lot more. I know I've talked about it before, but the other biggest thing that I love is that since we're recording in person, as we said you know last episode recording in person again. Um, I was able to come down and see my mom for the very first time um, since 
the pandemic started. So that that's the, really the biggest thing that I love is because I really needed to see my mom, man. Like, it, hit, it, man. it hit me hard. So I get like, it, man. yeah. So that's the thing I love is I I finally got some time with my mom and my stepdad, and it was just really really good and really good for me. And I feel like it, it's just it was nice. <laughs> uh, you know what synchronicity is? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's when a bunch of similar events all happen at the same time but have no discernible, like, connection. Yeah. So, like, the reason I mention it is because uh, what you're talking about, I, I even actually talked to Lala recently about it this past week, about, you know, what's kind of interesting is that with the epidemic and the revolution that's happening at the same time, there seems to be, like, this weird, like, collective of a lot of people who are now reflecting on mental health um, or having weird changes in their mental health. I mean, obviously, I'm going to use myself as an example here because I've talked about it on the show literally even last, you know, mm-hmm. fr- uh, Monday, not Friday episode, sorry. Yeah. And so, you know, man, you, there's my cultural belief is within the supernatural and within nature itself. You, you can take what you want from that, but I, I also believe in science as well. And I think that there, it is interesting what's happening. So I think mm-hmm. what's happening with you, you know, man, is just part of part of change, part of everything's happening. But oh, yeah. uh, you know, you're a fucking badass. You made it down yeah. here. You, you're pulling through. You're you're doing shit that only badasses do. So. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I fucking pat you on the back for it, man. Mm, and we are totally going to fucking celebrate your birthday. Don't you wait, or don't you doubt that. Uh, it's all right. <laughs> We're like, going to do it. I swear to God, know. I'm going to kick down your fucking door at like <laughs> fucking 6 a.m. and like, happy birthday, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm just going to like throw a bottle on the ground that I have for no reason. And you're going to be like, oh my God, was that a whole bottle of vodka? And Red Bull, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, it did. I mean, I'm not gonna wake up that early. Like, let's be honest. I hate waking up. That I know early. it'll be seven a.m. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be three in the morning. You're, I know you're going back up tonight. And I'm gonna be like, you never slept, did you? Like, no. I, I literally tailed you the entire way. <laughs> I kept my lights off and everything. I was a literal hazard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah. I mean, like, I know, like, I know, I'm saying, like, not a whole lot for my birthday and stuff like that. I mean, me and Dev are actually gonna do something for my birthday. We're gonna uh, go fishing. Right. So well, it was hard to do things for thing. birthdays in general, dude. I mean, like even yeah. even mine was. For yeah, the most we part. couldn't do anything for years, really. I, yeah. Of course, you know, with the whole world thing going on. Well, and even Aaron's birthday, like, we weren't really yeah. able to celebrate hers properly. Or, you know, the way we wanted to do it, and you know, it's just it's happened to a lot of people, man. So I mm-hmm. I would say take some solace. And that you do have people that you can stand oh, some yeah. solidarity with on that. Oh, yeah. No, I know. It was just, like I said, for me, mostly, it wasn't, like, dealing with the whole pandemic and stuff for my birthday. It was it's just, like, like, for my own, like, in right. my own head and stuff. I was just, like, really, I was, this entire month has mostly been, like, me really trying to piece back, like, back together some resemblance of how I, how, like, I was, you know, like, I feel used like, to be. Yeah, I feel <laughs> like if we had, you know, the racial revolution first, and then give that like a six months at least kind of space <laughs> then do covid then maybe it would be okay <laughs> yeah i know get everyone on the same fucking page where we should be on get. equality and then we can deal with i don't want to wear a mask where's my haircut karen go fuck yourself bitch you know, uh, lala put it perfectly the mask is just like sunscreen uh do you hate wearing it yes do you need it 
Also, yes. What? Are you going to do it anyways just to get over with? Yes, it sucks. So just fucking do it. I mean, the be- the, my, the, my favorite meme that I ever saw about it was, so I'm going to wear a mask because doctors say, experts say that it can help prevent someone. Me killing someone else by spreading a disease I might not even know I have yet. Right. If the experts are wrong, I had to wear a half inch cloth over my face for a little while. Oh, boo. Like, get the uh, fuck over yourself. Like, back. that's what they were saying. Like, it was a joke. You know, they're like, oh, man. Like, but no, it's true, it's, man. It we, like, can't, we can't pretend to be the dominant species if we can't handle fucking cloth. Yeah, exactly. It's like, just fucking wear the mask when you're in public. Jesus Christ. When you're at home, don't wear it. You don't need to wear it when you're home. You know why? Because you're not fucking public. <laughs> where you work, depending on what that's like, you know, don't fucking wear it. I'm, I don't know what to tell you uh, there, man. Like, it sucks wearing it at work and stuff, yeah, but just fucking do it. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Just get, until this is over. Like, oh my God, I don't know why it's such a big deal. But, Anyways. It, but yeah, I mean, like, and yeah. I've even dropped the ball a couple times with not wearing my mask, and like, and it's never on purpose. It's just, like, totally forgot to do it. Yeah. Like, it's just what, and it's like, again, not on purpose, it's more like an ADHD thing, but that's a whole entire subject. Well, I know. well it's just the, the funny thing for me is like, you know, wear a mask, you're impeding my rights. What is, what right is it impeding? Right. Just wear the fucking mask for a medical thing. Like, Jesus Christ, they're just saying you should wear a mask. This is, the, my, this is my favorite thing about businesses. When they say you need to wear a fucking mask, they can say you need to wear a fucking mask. It's their business. Get right. over yourself, Karen and John. I know it's a it's a real testament to ignorance when you can actually uh, say no to someone whose literal profession, yeah, <laughs> and what they legitimately chose to study, um, you know, is is you're choosing to disprove over a few articles you read off Google. So that were written by some person in a hole that has never seen a human being. Right, and I know, I know somebody's gonna be like, hey, "Is that who you guys are with horror?" Uh, fuck no, we've been watching our entire life. Go fuck yourself. I know. See, we <laughs> prepped ourselves for this. This is why I love the movie Contagion. Yeah, because <laughs> they're like, "Hey, when this shit goes down, maybe listen to an expert. Wear a mask." Yeah, right. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> um, what do you love and hate? So what I love and hate is uh, so I'll, I'll start off on what I hate and then go into what I love. So what I, I hate this week is, uh, and this actually happened to me. So, um, re- and I'm going to have to, like, omit a few parts of it just to uh, protect us. But um, <laughs> I was at a place of work recently, and I was with a group of people. And in this group of people, there was an individual who was talking about the murder of George Floyd. And uh, and you know what happened? Uh, oh, this Okay, so <laughs> I got, I got, so here's what happened. Instead of this individual accepting the reality for what it is, what did happen is that she, f- this person fully is more willing to believe a conspiracy video explaining that it was an agenda propagated or, or staged by the uh, Freemasons and that they were actors oh, and that and that I saw that one but except it was the Democrats right uh, <laughs> and then uh, and and the proof they have is that George Floyd is at his own funeral so first off obviously <laughs> hold on so Sorry. first off obviously extremely extremely tasteless that that's even a conspiracy theory you know just in poor taste in general I mean like like look man i'm cool with fucking lizard people and you thinking the fucking earth is flat whatever do whatever the fuck you want but here's what's really frustrating one not only did this individual who i literally was having this conversation with not consider that maybe it was you know a sibling and that you know weirdly enough families can carry similar traits among each other but also 
That's why you will generally look like one of your parents. Right. Also, the other thing I was like, oh my god, is this also the case of somebody not distinguishing a difference between someone who is a person of color? Oh, like, they all look alike. Right. And so it was just like, it's <laughs> so like she, this individual kept talking about it and was just like, everyone can believe what they want to believe. You know, the information's out there. You can find it out. And I'm like, yeah, but there's also fucking facts. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's facts. Now, my favorite conspiracy about it all was they were saying it's all staged because the, the cop who was saying, this is what happens. You do drugs, kids. Right. I'm a it's, piece of shit. It, um, um, he was wearing a different uniform. And it's like, he's a bike cop. Yeah. They wear different uniforms. Right. Every division of the police force has a different uniform that's not all just the blue. Right. That aside, conspiracy mm -hmm. theories are, are great, you know, when they're all in fun and what, what the fuck ever. But when it comes to something like this, when it's literally... And one, it, why it's why it's just really hurtful to the whole thing, obviously besides just how fucking disrespectful it is, is also that it's spreading, like, misinformation that isn't true, that isn't accurate, and only helps perpetuate a huge struggle that everybody is pushing for right now with equality and with social justice among races, you know, yeah. the things that are very apparent and in our face uh, and, and that should be in everybody's face as well. You know, and it's just, I, I just, I can't believe that we, we've come to the point of society where we're willing to fucking believe some fucking not job who says, oh yeah, they're crisis actors. Like, for fuck's sake, like, even if you were 100% right and you could prove it, and don't tell me you can because your sources are fucked. I know they are. I've done the research into your own conspiracies as well. And holy shit, man, I have seen middle schoolers come up with better shit. Um, I came up with better better shit while taking a shit. Right. Um, so here's the thing. Here's my argument towards every single person who thinks that this is legit. Maybe you being this type of conspiracy theorist is actually a conspiracy constructed by the government, Freemasons, and the Illuminati to make you believe that you are finding actual information in order to spread misinformation among the masses so that, you know, actual racial justice can't be, you know, solved, for example. So maybe the real conspiracy is the conspiracy of disinformation and you're the problem of it. Mic drop. <laughs> so, so I'm just leave it there. Thing I'm going to end on that I love though. So when I get this upset and get Chocolate. this frustrated, okay. you know what's one game I've been really enjoying to take it out on? Hmm. Fucking Man Eater. <laughs> so uh, we talked about Man Eater a little bit, um, but if you don't know, what Man Eater is it's, it's a game from Tripwire. Which shout out to the amazing publisher Tripwire. They're one of the few that fucking get it. They know how to make great fucking games for their exact demographic. Play Killing Floor Two with us. Do that. <laughs> um, made by Tripwire. Made by Tripwire. <laughs> um, but you play as a shark, and your your whole objective is to evolve and come bigger and uh, and avenge the uh, the was the shark hunter that killed your mother and so mm -hmm. like it's like so it's actually a really fucking cool game because it actually has legit like marine biology facts in it and it's it, like it's so it's really cool that but it has like a really funny like you know visceral <laughs> yeah like jab at humor type of way of like talking about like each monument that they have there like they even have like so like those are the landmarks right yeah. is what i'm talking about these are the monuments that you can uncover and they all have like okay. little facts like there's one in a swamp that's literally dedicated to uh 
draft lore and like Cthulhu mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. And then like there, you know, I showed you, I showed you the picture of one that's you know an Easter egg yeah, for Killing the Floor, Killing too. Floor logo. Yeah, the of uh, the Horizon, I think mm-hmm. it is, or yeah, it's Horizon. Yeah, Horizon, the the company that created the Zeds. Yeah, and so like it's a really fucking great game. It's made really well, and it's honestly like one of the cooler monster games you could play as, where you're a fucking just a vicious shark. But so anyways, obviously it's the best Jaws game since Jaws Unleashed. Oh yeah, I I will fight you if you say that was a terrible game fucking well so what's <laughs> that was great a fun game so like what's great about it is like obviously you have to eat like you know sea life because you're a shark and so it's part of the ecosystem and whatnot but you can also eat humans <laughs> and it's so fun because they they made it such a great way for you to like have fun eating humans <laughs> like you know and it's just like they really kind of cement the fact like why you're a shark that's on like mm-hmm. you know a power trip of what you know of mother nature fighting back yeah and so like you're learning a really important lesson, but then it's also really fun to just, like, see, you know, a couple on a flamingo boat coming by and you just jump up and <laughs> ripped our head off and just, like, thrash around. <laughs> uh, sorry, Leo. I, uh, I, I'm sorry if that audio was really loud. <laughs> I, I just, I saw... Oh, I thought I, you were about to say, sorry, Leo. I guess the door wasn't big enough for you both. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's a fucking fantastic game, man. Like, it's really fun. It's it's cool. I I, I, I did. Yeah. It's forty bucks. Check it out. You know, it's it's definitely not going to be like the most like RPG heavy type of game. Like, you're not going to get like a full rich experience like you went in The Witcher or what Just, have you. You're a shark. Yeah, you're you're a shark and you're fucking dominating nature. Go enjoy it. It's yeah, fun. I feel like that should sell it enough. You're a shark. Yeah. You get to be amazing shark <laughs> yeah callback twin games could just like be you know great mm-hmm. solely off a gimmick oh yeah i because i like i a lot of the reviews that i that i saw of it because i really do want to get man eater especially after you've talked talk to me about it but like one of the best things that they said is like yeah it could kind of get a little tedious and repetitive but it's the fact that it's they made it like a true old-fashioned arcade game where you go in, you just have a lot of fun yeah. doing what you do. Yeah, there's a little story, but it's like, come on, you just want to swim around and eat people. Right. Like, I wasted <laughs> you know? like two or three hours on it the other night, and it's just it's just fun, man, just like exploring mm-hmm. everything you can and just like, you know, getting becoming bigger and just being like, fuck mm-hmm. yeah, uh, let's fucking go, alligators. Fucking who's, <laughs> let's see who's the real champ now. Come here, Shamu. <laughs> I haven't gotten to that part. Yeah, but I'm getting there. Yeah. yeah. I'm getting to the part where you can fucking kill whales. I just got to the part where you can actually fight other sharks. Oh, cool. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty tight. Like, just fucking uh, check yeah. it out, man. I I'll get, I'm going to check it out when yeah, I get a chance. Uh, Once I'm done with Divinity. Oh, my God. I downloaded it. Yeah, so, okay. So, I that's the thing that I, um, I meant to uh, drop a little bit when I was talking about finding different ways of my me- curing my mental health is because my old hobbies, like, they're not there anymore like i don't enjoy i feel like i don't enjoy them as much as i used to like shooters and whatnot and so i want to like change up change it up a little bit this is also one reason why i want to get man eater is because it's just a different play style than what i'm normally yeah. used to so i picked up persona 5 and divinity original sin 2 right, right. on the on the switch persona 5 on the playstation divinity on the switch because i was on sale with the big switch sale yeah and i kind and i just remember for the longest time i hated turn-based combat outside of pokemon and i don't it was after uh i beat i didn't beat it but after final fantasy 10 i just lost interest in turn-based combat and so but i picked these two games up and oh my god it's so much fun like actually having to put thought into my combat now instead of just eh, swing guns and knives you know right like actually putting it thought into it has been helped me out a lot too and so i think that i like the 
ch- taste change. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, that, that's one reason why I want to p- check out Man Eaters because it's different, you know? Yeah, like the combat definitely takes a minute to get used to. You just got to learn to not rely on the camera and just learn to move the shark around mm-hmm. in like an uh, acrobatic, you know, graceful mm-hmm. way. Like, and then that point it gets really fun because just knowing to dodge. It's yeah. really easy to dodge in that game. They're, the signs are clear giveaways. Mm-hmm. But it's, yeah, it's a fun game. It, it, and it's honestly a weirdly common game because you just like fucking swimming. Yeah. Just... <laughs> so, oh, yeah. No, I watched the like the clips that I've seen from the reviews. Yeah. It looks beautiful. Yeah, man. It's, it, the detail is done really well in the game. Like, I was like, okay. If there's ever going to be a game done for, you know, full on water, this is like, I, I think, a good starting yeah. point. <laughs> fucking. But, yeah. Just out of, I, I, for me personally, I'm just kind of curious, you listeners, like, for all you gamers out there, have you had a taste, a change in taste of video games lately? If you have, I kinda, I'm curious, what y'all, what are y'all playing? Like, right. Send us a message. What you guys playing? Are you straight up playing horror shooters? Like, I'm curious. Let us know. Tell us. Send yeah. us pictures. Let us know your stories. You can do that over on Instagram, Punk Core Podcast. Give us a shout out or on Twitter at official PRHP. Just tag us on that. And uh, yeah. Yeah, because if you guys are maybe playing games that we're playing, maybe we'll have a big old game PRHP game party. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, because that game stream of ours went great. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not stream it, but we could all get together no, and then I, try I streaming know. later. I know. The, honestly, man, the. I I'd like us to get back into streaming like it with with me more at the helm with it with you <laughs> here's what i'll say man for uh, when i did the streaming for the games it was definitely weird because i felt far more vulnerable mm-hmm. during it because i'm so used to like interacting via this way yeah whereas that's in a more real-time type of sense mm-hmm. um and so like because i didn't even know how to fucking like adapt to it yeah so i like watched like youtube videos like hey what are some tips for like streamers what should i do you know and i I don't, I don't remember her name, but I watched this one streamer and she was talking about, uh, like, it's bad to, like, leave, like, too long of, like, dead silence. So, like, mm-hmm. you want to try to keep that, like, less than, like, 10 seconds or whatever. Yeah. And so, like, I'm trying to, like, you know, always try to talk about something else. And then I'm just, like, running out of shit to talk about. Because oh I'm, I'm used to, like, I, going for, like, an hour like five ten minute break to another hour yeah here and then for a concert like even trying to do three to four hours at some point i just get quiet and just focus <laughs> on the game yeah. and i'm just well, like I mean, that's how we are when we're playing together anyways like when me and you play we'll be like talking up a storm for the first like couple hours but then when shit gets real we're like <gasps> right <laughs> yeah. uh, i mean i am totally willing to go back to streaming gaming i mean i'm uh, like if there's generally enough interest from our fan base uh, they want to see that i will find i will put it on a platform that's more accessible that isn't only twitch um you know maybe like youtube or facebook um we'll mm. figure it out we'll figure something uh, more, out if but if there is a general interest let us know best way to do that is shout us out again on twitter and on instagram a uh, twitter at official prhp or uh, instagram punk or horror podcast mm-hmm. uh, but with that being said let's look, get into our movies yes yeah, jumping into the meat of it so within theme of our monday episode of lgbtqi plus horror films mm. we have picked two horror films that are regarded as lgbtqi plus horror films and we're going to make the case for them because we feel they are underappreciated or not talked about enough and maybe there's one that you have been thinking about checking out and maybe it's the one that we finally decided to review Mm -hmm. so 
jumping into it, buddy. Uh, I think I, I'm first this time. No, because no. I finished last time. Yeah, yeah, I did House Invictus. Yeah, first. and right, I did. I was like, holy shit! <laughs> yeah, I, wa- I watched it, and uh, I, I now you. I know you had to explain the twist a little bit to me, just because I can't actually say it because if I do, it would give it away. It's a huge spoiler. Yeah, it but, is a mind blower. But when you said because it explains that interaction in the beginning well the two words that you put together there i didn't think would he ever even go together based off the theolog is it is it theological yeah the theological difference between them that seems apparent you know right so <laughs> uh yeah I, I mean it was it was solid you know yeah uh, i the, uh lauren told me that she actually was a little too scared to watch the tokolosh because of my review of it so i feel kind of bad i hope i hope people do actually watch the tokolosh it legitimately is uh, it? I, I really want to go back and watch it i want to go watch it the tokolosh yeah or, yeah yeah, it, yeah, yeah it's a fucking like i said man it's a sweet like fucking take on like a folklore that i never knew existed exactly. that's why i want to watch it because i remember when we were doing our urban legend movies yeah. I feel like we kind of struggled a little bit, mostly because like almost all the urban legends was like Bloody Mary, Candyman, you know, and we, I mean, we found our movies, but like, well, yeah, but to hear more, like, there's more like South African and stuff like that, like to hear more about a cult, uh, more urban legend monsters of a culture I've never even heard of, like not heard of. I apologize, that was stupid. Culture I don't know of. Well, no, it, like uh, I've never it's, experienced. No, it's okay, thing. dude. What I'm you're saying? What I'm, you're, I mean, I'm word vomiting. No, I. Could, <laughs> we, to basically what you're saying is that we were ignorant to other folklores from other cultures, but it's understandable because obviously we would know more about the folklore of our own, yeah. you know, culture that we grew up in. So and it's ja- nice to and like Japanese culture and mostly because we know, watch a lot of Japanese horrors yeah, and like, and, so to see and anime mo- and anime. So to see those monsters. And then of course, Norwegian and stuff like right. I, we're huge in Nor- Norwegian horror because we're metal heads. So we know about that right. culture and stuff. So like to hear about, you know, South African folklore that I've never heard of. I'm like, I want to see this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So I mean, uh, fucking yeah, bravo to both mm-hmm. of those movies and the people that are behind them, the directors that made them, and everything, everyone involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, man, The House Invictus, that was a fucking tense movie, man. <laughs> Just, I, I can see what you're talking about with a lot of scenes there. It gets rough. <laughs> so um, yeah, it was it was fucking nuts, man. Yeah. So bravo on that one. Yeah. Well, let's let's stop talking about our last movies. Um, now let's talk about. Our movies this week. Yeah, so a few huge uh, honorable mentions. Excuse me. Dude, we're word vomiting so it's, bad It's right also now. getting late at night for us. This is I the, know. It, what, I don't know what... I like how it's the first time we're recording in person again, and of course it's fucking late at <laughs> night. Just like our original fucking original time we did this. So, <laughs> hey, but, we gotta circle back. Yeah. So, <laughs> honorable mentions. Uh, what keeps you alive is a fan, fan, fantastic LGBTQ horror film, and it's it's one that it definitely deserves a lot more attention. It's actually was going to be my original pick for my movie, but uh, unfortunately, there isn't really at the time of this recording, at least. And I'm ricking right now. Excuse me. <laughs> um, at the time of this recording, it's only available for purchase on Amazon and uh, not available for rent or other streaming services. But even for a purchase, it's worth it. it. The synopsis of it is basically Majestic Mountains and a still lake and a venomous betrayals engulf a female married couple attempting to celebrate their one-year anniversary. And it, the story plays out with one of the, the significant others having a dark secret that her ex-lover 
kind of shines a light on and so mm -hmm. it starts kind of unraveling these darker and darker secrets and it's it's only worth your time oh it keeps you alive it's a fantastic film another one i really enjoyed is red state fucking fantastic really touches on really the, hidden yeah uh, kevin smith movie uh, yeah, Kevin Smith. Yeah, yeah Kevin sorry. Smith. I don't know. I thought Kevin James for a minute. I don't know why. Dude, I almost said Kevin James. I was thinking the same <laughs> fucking thing. Because we talked about Kevin Bacon and then Kevin James. Because I right. thought that Kevin James movie earlier. When, yeah, before I, we started I guess recording. the new Kevin Bacon horror film isn't doing too hot. So, yeah. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. But I'm not going to go to the theater yet. So. Me neither. Fucking, yeah, man. You know, Red State's also a great, great fucking film that touches on the, you know, strict, horrific religious extremeness of uh, their worldview on, you know, homosexuality, LGBTQ, racism, all that. It's it's basically like uh, the Westboro Baptist Church made into a horror film. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a fucking fantastic movie. Check it out. And also my personal favorite, Cursed, which I, if it's the right curse I'm thinking of, I think it's with Christina Ricci, where she, that's a werewolf. Yeah, thing. yeah. okay. I fucking love it. I see, I need to go rewatch that movie to get the LGBT... It's it's hints. between it for me it's between her and her like rival you know okay but okay. that's uh, that's me I want to go back and watch it myself to also yeah because it's been fucking forever it, I fucking love that movie it's actually one of my favorite like B horror movie guilty pleasure like mm -hmm. werewolf films and also it's fucking Christina Ricci she's Wednesday Adams how can you fucking not and isn't it even a Wes Craven movie I think so. I, I, I could be mistaken. Uh, anyways, though, the movie I have picked for everyone to check out is one that has gotten a lot, a lot of praise around the world, but has still kind of fallen on the wayside of, I don't really know what it is. I've never really heard about it before, but I've been thinking about checking it out, but I don't know if I should. Well, I am here to make the case for you. I decided to do 2013's Stranger by the Lake. Directed by Elaine Gurati and written by Elaine Gurati. Stars Pire de la Donchamps, Christophe Pau, and Patrick de Agosmoco. I think I did that last one right. Yeah. That last one I actually did try really hard earlier to get down, and I, I think my stutter might have messed it up a bit, so I do apologize <laughs> for that. But what uh, the synopsis of the film is summertime, a cruising spot for men tucked away on the shores of a lake. Franck falls in love with Michel, an attractive, potent, and lethally dangerous man. Franck knows this but wants to live out his passion anyway. So, Ew. First off, I mean, uh, first part I'm going to give this movie right off the fucking bat is that it just starts right away. No fucking panoramic shots, nothing like that. It just starts up with Franck, played by Pierre uh, Delington Chimps, walking into the lake where all these uh, gay men are cruising. And so to kind of explain it, I mean, unless you are gay and you already know what cruising is, and I'm not trying to pander to you. I'm only just trying to explain it to those who might not know what it is. Basically, this is a spot where a gay men will meet up to hook up and if anything happens from there sweet if not it doesn't happen there's no commitments nothing like that some go to find love some to have a, a sexual thrill it's it's just what it is it's cruising that's how i can explain it from my perspective so if i did that in a terrible way i do absolutely apologize to anyone and i do not mean any disrespect by it but that is where we start off this film is with frank coming to this well the lake because that's what the whole movie centers around around and he's cruising around trying to find someone he's attracted to and he sees this older gentleman who's just sitting by himself and little Jimin's a little overweight you know he's he's the only guy really amongst the whole beachgoers that isn't 
you know, like fit or, you know, semi-fit. He's supposed to stick out like a sore thumb type of character. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the man that we're talking about is is named Henry, who's played by Patrick D. Uh, Sumkow. So Henry is just kind of sitting here alone, and, and so Frank, or Frank takes an interest in him and sits with him, starts talking with him why he's here. And so early on, this is kind of where the movie feels like it's not a horror film, and mm-hmm. it's just a drama. In a lot of ways, it is a drama, mm-hmm. but it's more of a testament to the sneaking horror that comes throughout this film. It's not a slog dread of a horror what makes this film a horror horror film is that we forget that real horror lies within human nature. And I'll talk about that here more in a second. Uh, real quick, I do also want to give a pro to where this film is is shot. The beach is fucking breathtaking. It's really beautiful. There's some amazing shots. And there's just one continuous shot that is just... You, you forget it's like a continuous shot. You just get really warped into it you feel like you're right there and it's brilliant i just the the beach was it made this film just that much more worth the investment visually but eventually while while frank is talking to henry he you know sees this other gentleman who's you know swimming in which i've been debating if i'm actually gonna like do a warning i'm not gonna do a warning but i'm gonna tell you this there's full-on male uh uh, frontal nudity if for any reason that fucking bothers you um just a heads up about it i I mean we gave i gave the warning for house invictus yeah but this is like this is a french film like a european film Uh so this is like you should know what you're getting into with a French film. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> um, the, I mean, it's not—it's not a con, honestly. My 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 response is like, grow up. It's just a fucking penis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, like, like if you if you have one, you should, you, you see should it be, every day. You should be used to it. If you don't have one, you've probably seen it before. It's nothing new. Yeah. If you haven't, everyone seen, draws dicks. If you, if <laughs> you have, dicks are funny. If you haven't seen one, well, this is welcome to be baptized by fire. There's a lot of dick. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, a little sprinkling of penises. Just bam. <laughs> but with that in mind, you know he sees uh, Michelle, and mm-hmm. he uh, Michelle's played by uh, Christophe Pau, by the way, and he does just this fantastic fucking job of playing Michelle. You really hate him early on mm-hmm. and that's why I give him a pro because he does a fantastic fucking job at just being, well, I, I'll explain more, but just being a terrible person for yeah. the most part. So uh, as it goes on, you know, Frank, you know, starts, you know, fancying him and, and goes over to talk to him and but uh, Michelle's taken by another person at the time and so you know they were hitting on each other and the individual who comes up talks to Michelle's like basically I've been waiting for you mm-hmm. what's going on and Michelle's like I'm just talking to my friend kind of thing yeah and so Frank you know was upset because he thought he was going to have a shot with Michelle this first time and it didn't happen and you know you can see Frank is really lustful after uh, Michelle uh, because he does go into the woods to try and find Michelle early mm-hmm. on but when he, and this was at the, this was after the first time you know they met each other yeah and so as he's going into the woods which you know when cruising you know and and two lovers find each other or two men find each other and they want to have social relations whatever the fuck uh, they all go into the woods and do uh, you know they make the beast with two backs and so that's. <laughs> 
So they, well, no, I mean, but that's what it is. Like, okay, no, the reason why I find that really funny is because you using that reference reminds me of the Futurama movie Beast with a Million Backs. Oh, God, yeah. That movie. That's and right. It, well, here's the thing I totally that, forgot about okay, that. Okay, but the reason why is because I never really got that joke. Because the beast, you know, in the movie, the beast is having sex with literally everyone on planet Earth. Yeah. So you making that reference, I was like, oh my God, I just got that pun. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, who knew it would have been this episode? (laughs) Because, well, like, because I've never heard that saying before. (laughs) So, uh, but anyways, yeah, so this is where all the gay men are going to make love and and hook up and whatnot. I'm sorry. No, it's okay, it's okay. Um, so, so as, uh, as Frank is, is Frank is is going to find Michelle, he finds Michelle already, you know, making love with his lover at the time. And so the day goes on and as, as the evening starts to creep in, Frank is still just, just not having much luck with, you know, finding someone this time around with his cruising. And so as he's heading back to collect his stuff from the beach, he sees Michelle in the lake with, you know, Michelle's lover. And then we are now exposed to the scene of when I mentioned earlier this continuous one shot is this scene and it's in other scenes as well but this one I really want to point out where Michelle is killing his lover mm-hmm. and so I'm not spoiling anything because this literally happens like 25 minutes into the film yeah um, of a keep in mind of a film that's one hour and 40 minutes and yeah. so it's a lengthy film yeah it's, <laughs> it's a decent it's a decent length film so Throughout this entire movie, you know, there isn't really a dread. There isn't really a hint at someone hunting around. There isn't really, like, a, par- you know, a hint at, like, something paranormal happening. Mm-hmm. It's just a very average day for what we get to experience of what's very average of someone, what they do, which is cruising. And so mm-hmm. that's where the vulnerability is set in. When we see Michelle killing his lover, that is when we're reminded that sometimes... Real horror isn't within the bats that fly out of the cave or the ghosts that haunt us at night or the Mm -hmm. witches that supposedly curse us or the skeletons that want our guts. Sometimes the actual horror lies within human nature itself as we see Michelle suffocating and drowning his lover in the lake. And at this point, we are seeing Frank experience this entire scene. At this point the terror does start to set in as every day continues. Now, keep in mind, the movie takes over, goes over the time span of like a week, and so we see that terror starts to set in in subtle but very human ways with how his personality changes. So nor- so when the movie started out, he was very confident. He was, you know, like, who's who's going to... He's flamingoing... Or not flamingoing. He's uh, peacocking. <laughs> it's because I said uh, flamingo... Because we said pink, pink flamingos, flamingos. And then also the flamingo boats and Maneater. <laughs> uh, so that's why. Uh, he's peacocking. Like, you know, he's traveling, trying to... You know, he was very confident. But now when he's in the lake, he's, he's you know very paranoid he doesn't mm-hmm. know if you know michelle saw him that night that he saw michelle kill his lover you know we do you know he's just looking around but he still finds you know comfort in his friend henry i, I give it that pro too because it's it shows how terror and paranoia can set in a person and how it changes their personality and i'm going to touch back on this a little bit later on within the, the, my review but at this point, you know, eventually do they do find the body. And so the investigator is, you know, asking around, you know, what people saw and eventually gets to asking Franca Michelle because uh, now that Michelle doesn't have a lover mm-hmm. uh, anymore, 
he's now fancying Frank, and they're both, you know, obviously, you know, into each other. Mm-hmm. You know, Frank has been Frank has been la- lusting after Michelle, and uh, at this point. You know, the investigator's asking both of them, like, hey, you know, uh, were you here? What have you been doing? Have you seen this person? So on and so forth. You know, as an investigator in a horror movie would. And at this point, you can start to see that a really odd passive cat and mouse game starts to play out between Michelle and Frank. Uh Uh-huh. Burp, Rick. (laughs) This shit's not fun. I don't know why anybody wants to be able to imitate this. <laughs> I am Rick. Shut up, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, Michelle figures out that Frank was there the night that Michelle killed his lover, but Frank won't admit it, and Michelle's not going to admit it, obviously, either. Mm-hmm. And so, but Michelle's kind of, you can kind of tell that he's, you know, looking at Frank like, are, are you going to say it? Because I think you were there. Like, are you going to admit it? And you could tell that he figured it out early and on. Yeah. But Frank is, is like, no, I'm not going to. Kind of like testing the waters to see if Michelle's going to talk about it. You know, and you can see it between the body language between both of them. And so what this really is and kind of like cements a little bit more on the horror aspect of it is that love and lust especially we will make us do some very terrible things mm-hmm. just to have that, you know, adrenaline rush to have that ride of pleasure that we're lusting after and so and and this is one point where i'm going to say it, i can see where this is extremely relatable to a lot of people in the lgbtqi plus community i can also see it from an outside perspective of how just that makes just an individual f- feel in general you know when we do find someone that we really lust after yeah. uh, after and crush after you know it's it's because we're it's because that is because we're lusting after them yeah. you know and so to be able to experience that fifth element in what, or you know, that utopia or that nirvana, mm-hmm. we're willing to lie about some of the terrible things they do sometimes, you know. And obviously, like this is about murder. But <laughs> the, I, I thought not it was really, everyone's like, "I love you." Oh, I drowned my partner in the pool. Well, and it's not even that, but it's also like a denial thing because, like, yeah. you don't want to admit that this person might be that terrible because yeah. you fully believe you love them. Right. Color, looking at someone through rose colored glasses. Exactly. And so, like, that, this movie does a fantastic job, you know, touching on that. Mm-hmm. So, and more about that is that Michelle, Michelle's influence over him is so unsettling. You see it, you know, through separate parts of the movie. Keep in mind, uh, Frank is still a very smart person. Mm-hmm. And one problem I'm going to give into him is that there's a point where they are talking more about what happened, you know, and Frank is trying to, you can kind of tell he's like trying to persuade Michelle to admit to it. But, you know, there's a point where Michelle wants to go into the water and, and, and Frank is so, uh, you know, kind of just like off put by it that, he doesn't go into the lake originally with Michonne. He's like, you go for now, I'll come later. Eventually he does go into the lake because, again, coming back to the things we lust for, you know, we eventually start to see that some cars start to go missing mm-hmm. as the movie progresses. Like, there is a red car that doesn't appear anymore yeah. throughout the film. Because we're, we basically see, you know, all these cars that are parked to won't come to uh, the beach for cruising. And, and they eventually start getting less and less here and there. Yeah. What's so great about it as well is that 
it's touching on the subject of, again, you know, the people that we lust after sometimes aren't the best for us mm-hmm. and are, can and actually be very terrible for us. And so that is, you know, the metaphor, and that is who Michelle is in this case. It, whereas Michelle is lust, Henry, you know, the guy that originally that Frank was hanging out with on the mm-hmm. beach, you know, the, the older gentleman, is romance. Mm. Because they have this talk, Frank and uh, uh, Henry have this talk when Frank is already with Michelle and they're already seeing each other. Yeah, you know, and they basically have this talk of like, yeah, Frank's like, well, it was like, you don't need sex to Henry, and he's like, at this age, why would I need sex? He's like, I, I'm gonna kind of paraphrase a little bit. Uh, the dialogue is is worth the watch on its own, but he's like, you know, I'm, he's like, my wife, you know, he, she, she divorced me because we basically find out the fact that him his wife and another man were all in a three-way but from what i took of it is that the wife fell for the other man within that three-way and then left henry yeah and so henry's just defeated that's Mm -hmm. why he's coming to this beach but henry also realized that he you know enjoys having sex with men too Mm-hmm. And so that's also kind of the reason why they divorced. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm not going to give it all away. It's, you're going to have to kind of watch it for yourself. Yeah. But, you know, Henry's like, I'm alone. What's the point of being alone? You know, I, I hate it. And, he, and you know, Frank's like, well, you know, you, you should care about sex. It's pretty important. And he's like, why do you need to have sex in order just to be able to sleep next to each other? Mm-hmm. And I loved that fucking message because here's the thing. Like, sex is absolutely important. I totally get it. But it's not the make-or-break deal of yeah. a lasting relationship, especially one that's built on kindness and compassion for your significant other. Yeah. And that you can see Henry has for Frank. Like, he has an actual compassion for him. And he's like, because they talk about it, he's like, do you want to be with me? And he's like, yeah. He's like, but not romantically, right? And he's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, your boyfriend Michelle is probably jealous about that. And he's like, yeah. So basically it's that Henry realizes Michelle cannot connect with Frank. Mm-hmm. The way that Henry can connect with Frank. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so... Michelle's more physical, Frank's... Yeah. Are, and Henry's more emotional. Right. Yeah. And so, like, it kind of touches on, like, the importance of, like, why we should be careful of the things we love to at, lust after, because those things could be the most damaging to us. Mm-hmm. And I think in some facet of our life, whether it is you are straight, whether you are queer, trans, gay, pansexual, fluid, non-binary, or however you identify, I think we've all been in a relationship with someone that we lusted after and has hurt us in some sort of way. Yeah. And I loved that that was in this movie. I love that that was touched on. I thought it was done in a brilliant, brilliant way. Eventually, the long, as longer the investigation goes on, the more frustrated you get with Frank because you're just like, why won't you fucking out Michelle? Why yeah. won't you tell him? I can tell you're having a hard time holding it together. But it's hard to completely demonize someone whose shoes you have won before in some facet. Again, it's about murder. So <laughs> I would like to think if you are with someone who has murdered someone that you've done the right thing and have reported it to uh, whoever at this point. <laughs> and, and fucking who, or you took, took it in your own, own hands. Point being is that I'm sure we've all been with someone in some point in our lives where we have been in that rose-colored denial. Yeah. And so, and we don't want to lose this source of happiness that we finally have, this source of acceptance, Mm -hmm. this source of feeling wanted and loved that we finally have. Yeah. And where the movie starts to finally wrap up and end is that the investigator basically has another talk with uh, Frank at, at a later point. It's just like, we think that there might be a homophobic serial killer 
how do you know that there isn't a homophobic serial killer yeah. running around? And that right there also spoke volumes to me because I because rem- from just a lot of true crime stuff that I kind of listen to, but mostly just research on my own, there is a shocking amount of cases where uh, an individual who either is an extremely closeted individual or just so fucking twisted would pretend to be gay in order to kill other gay men. Yeah. And, like, you could see that fear set in a Frank at that point. Yeah. And so you're just like, holy shit, this is the horror. This is the terror mm-hmm. of you trusting someone and loving so much that he might literally be planning to kill you. And in this case, Frank is in that horrible circumstance. This plays out uh, when Henry finally calls Michelle out at this point. Yeah. And I'm going to go into a spoiler. So if you don't want me to spoil anything for you for the movie, I am going to tell you to go ahead and skip ahead for, yeah, let's do one minute. Going in three, two, one. Uh, this is now the spoiler. This is your last chance to get away. So, uh, with this in mind, uh, Henry eventually goes into the woods and Michelle goes after him and slits Henry's throat. And mm-hmm. so, Frank is obviously upset by this and it's just like, oh my god, Henry, you can't die. And Henry's like, no, I've wanted this. I've suffered for so long. Yeah. This is what I wanted. And so, it's a really sad moment, you know. And then eventually, Henry dies. And then, so Frank is trying to get away from Michelle and Michelle's hunting him down. Mm-hmm. And we get to the scene where it's just getting darker and darker and darker and Frank is just like getting more paranoid and quiet and you can hear breathing get louder and louder <laughs> and louder. It's so good. And then but you realize it's not Frank's breathing yeah. that you're hearing. Because as the screen gets darker, the breathing gets louder, and then it fades to black, and then we're finally introduced to the credits. Ah, uh, that's good. It's, it's so, uh, we're back from the spoilers. If you skipped ahead, this is the end of the spoilers. Damn, that's um, a good ending. Yeah, so uh, Stranger by the Lake is definitely one movie that, even just from the cover of it, is a very beautiful like film to look at, but doesn't seem like it's going to have a lot of deep like horror in it. But it really does. And no, you're not going to get a gore-filled ride. If I was going to rate it on a bucket, it's definitely, at, at best, a one and a half for gore. <laughs> but... The this is a movie where, and, and I and always say this about gore, gore is only as good as how it's executed and the scene it's used in. Yeah. And so, um, with that in mind, you know, it's just a fantastic film. Stranger by the Lake is still right now available on Amazon for rent. And also, if you have a Shutter account, you can watch it for free. Its price usually is going for $3.99. It's Strange by Lake is worth your fucking time, seriously. This is one of those movies that you're definitely going to go into it being like, I don't see the point. And then if you stick with it, it sneaks up on you. Yeah. And it catches you. And there was a point where, like, I was having trouble staying focused with it. And then eventually it just fucking got me and I couldn't look away. And I was mm-hmm. just like, holy shit. <laughs> so a uh, few interesting facts about it. Uh, about it. Director uh, Elaine uh, Guiradi. I'm, I'm trying my best, really. I am. Based the setting of the film, the lake of the title, on a real lakeside cruising ground he knew. But he did not film at the exact location and chose a different location that was warmer and sunnier. He specifically picked a beach next to a lake as opposed to the one next to a sea because because with the sea, the horizon is too far and too wide and he wanted to constrain the setting. 
The hardcore shots were filmed using body doubles as uh, the director thought it would be asking too much of the actors to have sex on camera. He also stated the problem that professional actors couldn't get strong enough erections, so he thought it best to use body doubles. Holy shit, I didn't know that because <laughs> it legitimately looked to me like the actors filmed every single sex scene themselves. Like, it, like it's fucking really good, too. Which, That's, I guess, I will... Oh. That, that's a fun fact. Well, hold on real quick. I, I guess I'll have to preface as well. Just so you guys know, again, if fucking there's like full on like guy on guy sex scenes. I didn't really care for it just because it's, I mean, sex. You, you don't just, like sex scenes in general. In yeah, anyway, I just, so. I, I just don't like sex scenes. It has nothing to do with like the sex or sexual preference. I just think, I just like get like, can, like can we continue like point? I mean, for this, <laughs> for this movie, I make the, uh, I'll let it go because I was, it's I was say, I'd say it, it's like your argument for gore. It, it needs to be right. Right. Like you need, the sex scene has to add to the actual movie right. and not just be like, Oh look, titty or oh look dick right you know? like, yeah and that's what really and this is why i'm like willing to like let it go for this one because obviously they need to be able to show why uh, uh frank is so lustful after michelle mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. the, the sex scenes the sex scenes in this movie are very important for that mm-hmm. um again i just and it's not like i'm a prude or anything i just fucking like get to the point mm-hmm. like so uh, one of the fun facts I actually want to read about it. Speaking of that, there was no improvis- improv on set. Um, all the scenes were filmed exactly as written, and the dialogue was word for word as in the script. Even the numerous sex scenes between the lead actors were extensively choreographed and rehearsed so that the crew could go on location and film the sex scenes quickly and smoothly. It also put the actors at ease as they had to just mechanically perform what they rehearsed. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, one thing that I thought was pretty cool, there is not a single interior shot in the entire film. Filmed completely outdoors and the entire story takes place outdoors. There's only one location in the movie, the lake and its surroundings. The director wanted to maintain the unity of space, time and action as in classical theater. So he based the entire film in in a single location as if in a play. There you go. Yeah. All right. Yeah, man. No, that sounds fucking great. Like, I'm, I'm going to have to check out that movie now. <laughs> For sure. The Stranger but, by the Lake. Uh, yeah, so my movie definitely, I don't feel like, has that beautiful hidden undertone that yours did. I feel like we kind of trade like, <laughs> like the depth of message for each, like our movies. Because, like, yours was The House Invictus. Yeah. Right? And... I can't really talk about the depth of that one without spoiling it. Um, but Slavery's bad, MK. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll go with that. Um, <laughs> and then mine just has to do with, like, what is it? Uh, like, abusive relationships. And mm-hmm. it, to put it in a general term, I guess. Yeah, I mean, mine does, too, to an extent, but... Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get there. Let's get there. So I did my movie on, on the Netflix original, The Perfection. It came out in 2018. It was directed by Richard Shepard, written by Eric C. Carmelo and Richard Shepard. stars Logan Browning, Allison Williams, and Steven Weber. The synopsis is, When troubled musical prodigy Charlotte seeks out Elizabeth, the new star pupil of her former school, the encounter sends both musicians down a sinister path with shocking consequences. Um, she does not seek out Elizabeth in the beginning. She get, she seeks out Elizabeth after she was already fucking invited back to the thing. IMDb for you. There we so, go. So, anyways, 
<laughs> to the review. I actually, I really enjoyed this movie. I definitely believe it's one of the better Netflix original horrors that they didn't even promote. Oh, yeah, like, I, I agree. Yeah, God, everybody needs to check out Eli. Go fuck yourself, Eli. Uh, yeah. See, that's what <laughs> I'm saying. To, especially compared to this uh, movie. Eli is just and a tra trash horror film. I don't give a shit who acts in it. I don't give a shit how well they act in it. <laughs> that's something I can never take away. What I can get fucking give a shit for is how fucking stupid the story is because it has so can many fucking plot holes. I like it's just like <laughs> you're gonna get me all mad about it. I know, it again. I'm sorry. You polish a turd, polish a turd, it's still a turd. Basically. Um, so you can have great acting in a terrible movie, it's still a terrible like, movie. Like I can't believe people are willing but, to fuck sorry. I know. I can't believe people are willing to shit on Ari Aster films, but will not rightfully direct that towards fucking Eli and Sinister Two. I know. And the nun. Oh my god, man, you know how many people have actually seen Praise Sinister Two? because they it's suck. gross. <laughs> like it weirded me out. Like Anyways, those are people I don't so want to talk too. <laughs> let's talk. Let's, let's talk. A, <laughs> let's talk about a good movie. Um, <laughs> so I freaking love the chemistry between the main actresses Logan Browning and Allison Williams. They hit it off so freaking well in this movie. Holy crap! It was just really, really good. Well, um, and also everybody will remember Allison Williams of Get Out fame mm -hmm. as the girlfriend from that movie. Yep, she was also in Girls. If everybody knows that show on from HBO. Anyway, so the the main the chemistry between those two actresses is freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. Like they just know each other's acting super, super fucking well. They feed off each other yeah, really well. Really, really well. So it's, it starts off really, I like the uh, how it starts off because it kind of just starts off already showing Charlotte like having issues and they like kind of, they talk about, they pretty much talk about like where Charlotte's coming from because in the beginning, yeah. you know, it starts off talking about how Charlotte had to break off from her music career to take care of her mother for 10 years. And so... <gasps> Man, you're passing that shit off onto me now. I'm starting to something. See, like, I told you. Everybody's yeah, like, yeah, it hurts. let it be ready. I'm just like, no, fucking, I'd rather take a nail through the foot. <laughs> At least it's just only one time. Um, but anyway, so I like how it starts off because it already shows like Charlotte like in a really weird state. She's sitting in a chair. She's looking at her dead mother. And you hear the women talking about like, oh, my gosh, she's such an angel. She gave up her entire life to take care of her mother these past 10 years. And she was so sick. And then it shows Charlotte. And they do this really fucking cool scene where they flash back and she's just screaming real fast. And then it flashes forward to where she's just sitting there. Right. And so I really like that. And so then it leads into like Charlotte getting the call like by her old teacher, Anton, and him inviting her out. And then she like gets out and about and she finally meets back up with Anton and they hug and embrace. And you see these scars on Charlotte's wrists. And then it does a really quick flashback scene, and I thought it was really, really cool because it was freaking insane of how like well yeah. it did, but it was just like super quick like that. But you still get everything that it needed you to give. So because it shows like really quick, shows her hurting herself, and then all of a sudden she's getting electrotherapy, and then she's in a pool. Like it's just really good, and I really like that because it, it gives you such in depth knowledge of Charlotte's psyche without it going into. Super hard detail with it. it gives you everything you need really quick really fast you know who she is you know how she is and you know why she's like kind of like a like inside character she's really introverted um at this point and i really think it's great because when she finally meets lizzie elizabeth 
that's when you start really seeing the chemistry between these actresses because Lizzie, like, Charlotte starts it off and, like, it's really cool because she fangirls on Lizzie and everyone has had a fan, like, you know, fanboy, fangirl moment where they meet the, someone that they really respect, that they've loved and heard and, yeah. like, you know, like me geeking out over meeting or uh, uh, during our interview with Anthony C. Fuentes. Haha, the plugs are still coming in this episode. Big, <laughs> and uh, I know I played that episode a lot, but that's... Oh, that interview was so great. But, like, you know how I was, when you told me, like, we're going to be interviewing Anthony C. Fuentes, how fucking giddy girl was I? I know, right? Like, and just, like, seeing Charlotte do that in this movie was really cool because Lizzie flips it on her head and says, like, you were my inspiration and everything because Charlotte's older than Lizzie in this movie, like, uh, by a few years. And so she, Lizzie talks about seeing Charlotte when she was a little girl and how how much that inspired her to become this beautiful musician and this great musician and so them flirting with each other really brings charlotte out of her shell and i like that they really didn't focus a whole lot of time on her introvertness yeah. and spent more time on her relationship building with lizzie and charlotte kind of coming out of her own and showing signs that you know like it's okay i'm okay to be out and about and talk with other human beings and stuff that isn't just my dying mother <laughs> and they, yeah. they do all this a really good job in the beginning and so Lizzie's flirting with Charlotte is so good when she's flirting with her, you know, like she does it with stories that she's like, yeah, I've seen, I've been here for so long. Like I know all the parents, like dirty little secrets and stuff like that. She goes in this detailed story of how this mom who's yeah. sleeping with another dad and they're not even hiding their affair from everyone, you know? And she's like, yeah, that just, that boldness gets me so wet <laughs> like that, she actually says that and it's like really cool because like they're i liked it because they're just hitting it off really well and at some point they end up convincing charlotte to actually do a duet with lizzie and charlotte's like i haven't played in years i've been taking care of my mom and blah 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 and they're like no you're a prodigy you can do this and holy crap that musical number is so freaking great it's so good and so like they're playing they're doing the duet finally with each other and stuff like that they're playing their cellos and then it i like this because when they're doing this duet that's when they do the montage of like the scene and really building up lizzie's and charlotte's relationship through this montage and stuff like that and it's through the music because the music's so freaking beautiful and crisp and precise and just awesome like it just he helps with the montage and like but this the same time the song that they're playing has this weird little hidden undertone note where it's really deep and it just yeah. kind of builds that dread also like something might be a little that, awry. That, that yeah, there's something a little off and it's really cool because like it blinds you with the sights. But when you're hearing the music, you're getting another feeling out of it because it does the montage of their night. And they're having, like, it shows Lizzie and Charlotte finally have sex. And, like, they hook up and everything. And it's all through this montage. And then it starts off and then jumps to the morning after the song ends. And it really get and this is where, like, it gives the sex scene meaning. Yeah. You know, and it really builds to the story and why it's so important. Because Charlotte reveals to Lizzie that she's never slept with anybody before. Because Lizzie's like, How, this, am I the first girl you've ever slept with? She's like, I have been taking care of my mom for the past 10 years since I was like 12 
or like 14. So I haven't had sex with anybody. Like she's <laughs> like, you're my first. If you know my story, you would see why. So it's like, yeah. it's, but it like that revelations like gives that scene, the sex scene so much meaning. And it really puts the craziness when it happens. And it really puts the craziness um, in perspective when it happens. And it makes it super nuts because it like really builds this relationship that Charlotte and Lizzie are falling in love. They're falling for each other. Like even if though it was just like really quick with the like, you know, their relationship building is just through that montage and stuff. It, it like really puts things in perspective and really helps out their motivations through the movie. Yeah. And so... One thing, one con that I have though, Charlotte notices a tattoo on Lizzie that you see on Charlotte earlier in the movie. It's just a musical note on the back, on her back. Yeah. And so the one thing that bucks the shit out of me and it's a big con is, so it like flashes forward a little bit and they've, so they've been in an established relationship for a little while, but if they're having sex and seeing each other naked as much as they, the movie alludes to, how has Lizzie never seen the tattoo on Charlotte? Right. You know what I mean? I like, guess that you're talking about, like, how is it, like, not, how has she not caught, like, a glimpse? Yeah, how is she, yeah, exactly. So that's a kind of a con like, that I have about like the movie. Like, probably, like, when making out, like, hey, do you have a huge fucking mole on your neck? <laughs> yeah, or, like, or not not even just that. A, uh, she's obviously has seen Charlotte naked from behind at this point, too, because it's on her, like, on their shoulder blade. So it's, like, just that one, that's just, like, a small little loophole in my head where I'm, like, eh, or plot hole, sorry, that I'm, like, eh, but I can, like, let it go. Yeah. Because... Once that all happens and Lizzie starts talking about how she's kind of feeling sick, Charlotte's like, do you want to stay home? Like, we can just stay in the hotel and fuck and watch movies. <laughs> like, she's like, we can just do that. And Lizzie's like, no, we're on vacation. We need to enjoy it, live our life and stuff. So it's like, it's cool because like it shows that intro it's more hints of the introvertness of Charlotte there. To, and Lizzie being like, no, we need to be more outgoing. We need to go do stuff. And it like that's another thing that helps Charlotte come out of her shell. And that character building is really good. But when she Lizzie starts really getting sick and they get on this bus trip and she gets sick on the bus, holy fuck, shit gets real. Yeah. Like, so that's when shit starts getting nuts. So Lizzie's talking about how she's super sick and stuff and she, like, throws up on the window and Charlotte's, like, leading into it, like, oh, my God, is that bugs? And so then it does, like, this hallucination yeah. where you see... Lizzie hallucinating, like seeing the bugs in her puke. But if you notice two seconds before, there's it's just the puke on the window. Like it, it gives you small little glimpses of like something might not be a right. This is where like yeah. it's really subtle, just like the subtle notes in the song they were playing of like something's a little off here. <laughs> and so that entire scene is really fucking cool because like they're uh, by the way, they're also in a uh, foreign country. Um, I can't remember exactly where it's, I think it's China. So they're in China. Yeah. Cause it's Shanghai. So they're in China. And so, you know, the language barrier between them and the rest of the people is like really good. Cause Charlotte's screaming, you ain't need to get her doctor. Like stop the fucking bus. And no one really knows what they're saying. Cause you know, language barrier but that entire scene is super crazy because like lizzie starts freaking out from seeing bugs in her puke and then she starts freaking out even more and she's like i'm gonna shit myself we need to get off this bus and like the bus driver's like freaking the fuck out yelling at him and stuff like that and so they get off the bus and the bus driver just kicks them off and like charlotte's freaking the fuck out because like all this stuff is happening she's like she needs a doctor and then shit gets really real at that yeah. point like that's when like the big this huge fucking twist happens. And so I'm going to give a quick little 30 second spoiler. 
spoiler in three, two, one. So once again, this is a spoiler. You have a couple of seconds to turn back. But yeah, so when they after they get kicked off the bus, Lizzie starts freaking out, saying, "There's bugs in my arm. They're in my arm." And like they bust out of her arm, and then they go up her hand, and fucking Charlie just pulls out a hatchet and just goes, "You know what you need to do." Yeah. And fucking Lizzie cuts her hand off like immediately, and then it does a flash backwards, like it rewinds time and it shows all these scenes again, except from Charlotte's point of view where she's drugging and poisoning Lizzie and like giving her the, all these stuff. And that's the end of the spoiler, but she's given all these hints of what ends up happening on the bus. Like, you know, it's, uh, I forget what it's called, but, uh, uh, oh my gosh, where you say something to try and get someone to believe it and they don't believe it at first, but then they start believing it because oh, you, know, you, you planting seeds, like basically yeah. is what, what happens. Grooming. Yeah, kind of. And yeah, basically. And so that ends up happening and it's fucking insane and it's so cool. And I loved that twist. It was such a cool twist, and I think it was great. So, as good as ever, as the rest of this movie was after the second twist that happens, and it is fantastic, I felt like it was just a trope that played out too much of the evil school. Okay. Small spoiler, but, like, you end up finding out, like, the school is evil, and, like, the head, and, of course, you know, all the teachers were evil people, and I'm not going to give the reasons what they do if why they're evil, but to me, I just felt like that trope was played out so much, because I was more invested in just Lizzie and Charlotte, and that story they could have told of, the, like, a, a possible jealous, older, pop, I mean, famous person, right. jealous of the new protege that's, like, better, you know, that could be better instead of grooming her right. to be better than her. You know, the jealousy gets in and like, you know, you see the mind games and it plays out like why she did everything that she did up to this point. And when they do the twist of the evil teachers and the evil like school and stuff like that, I was it kind of left a small bitter taste in my mouth. But what I'm going to give them is at least they go fucking full evil, like full evil with the whole entire thing not occult evil but like they are terrible yeah, like, human beings yeah, yeah yeah like and that's what i at least like is that they really own it and instead of like even the bad guy like making justifications for it or whatever it's just like he's just so far gone and so far evil like they fucking own it and that's what makes up for it because like what thing that i really liked about it is because when the evil teacher gets confronted finally yeah. by one of the main characters i'm not gonna start i'm gonna drop names because this is where it'll spoil everything yeah. um where they get confronted by one of the main actresses the, the evil teacher like he just goes no what are you talking about to just yeah I, yeah i know i did the things i did because it made you better like that's just instant like it was really cool and i really really liked that and so that's what made up for that small bitter taste of like oh god of course it's an evil school and it when they go full evil in this movie like they show some harsh things that happen and it makes so much more sense of like what sharp like what these characters go through and why the one of the main characters do what they do and that also at that point, that's when the gore really starts picking up for all you gore fiends, <laughs> because like you see a hand get chopped off and then they do a really realistic death scene, which I was really, really appreciated in this movie. When you die, you release all bodily functions, like whatever's in you is coming out at that point. Yeah. And so there's a point in the movie where there's this part where one of the evil teachers is killed but you don't know it yet because the person just walks into the room and then one of the the other evil teachers like are you okay what's wrong and then she ends up 
peeing all over the floor and then they push her over and there's a knife in her back. So I was like, oh, that's pretty good detail. That's nifty. You never really see that. I thought that was really cool. Super dad. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so like that's one really, really cool scene in there. Sorry, I'm not, I don't want to like talk about too many of the scenes because it's a really big spoiler because it's a double twist that happens really fast. And if I tell any more um, into the scenes, it'll kind of ruin it. But Another thing that I really did like about the movie is, so they have this scene in the beginning where they do a rewind to, sh to show why this scene ends. Like they rewind and replay everything that you just saw from a different perspective. And so they yeah. do it again for the, for the third ending twist. There's three twists in this movie. But for the third twist, which is the good twist, which gives us the happy ending. And as you all know me, I'm not huge on happy endings, like, right. but for this movie it made sense uh once they did the whole evil school thing and it fit really well and it it, it was actually kind of nice and it was definitely a nice palate cleanser to have an actual happy ending with no ooh, like what if maybe it was like you know i enjoyed that yeah Another thing that I liked about this movie is that I talked about my Monday review until the evil school happens. This is why I kind of left a bitter taste in my mouth is that the way it was playing off everything in the beginning was that you could, again, you could take either Charlotte or Lizzie and replace them with a, with the opposite gender and it would still work because yes. to me, again, that shows how, how far along these movies have come towards equality because you could have replaced them in the beginning and it still would have told the same story. You know right. what I mean? But another thing that I really, you really liked about this movie is it ha also has a really good undertone message of mental health and dealing with trauma because one of the biggest things is that for some people it either takes one big instance or it takes time to get over the trauma that you went through and it is okay to ask and get help and that's one that's one of the undertones that i really liked about this movie too going uh, a little bit more this movie so this movie is really really good um i highly recommend it because it has great acting and great great chemistry between the main actresses and they do a really good job on talking about how like the sexuality between charlotte and lizzie is really really good because for charlotte she never knew you know what her sexuality was because she didn't date anybody or anything as you find out you know in the movie they say that you know Lizzie was the first person she's ever been with. And so it's really cool there for me because I'm like, oh, fucking cool. Like, it's just showing her budding into her sexuality normally. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I find that person attractive. Male, female, didn't matter. I wanted, you know, she found her attractive. And, of course, you know, you find other things out later on. But the fact that they stick together, like, is really cool. Finishing on those notes, I really like the meanings and the undertones of like, it's okay with your, you know, fight, figuring out your sexuality whenever, no matter how old you are, because Charlotte's in her late or mid to late 20s in this movie, when she finally figures that out. But it's also okay to know like with the with the mental health also, you know, that it's that sometimes it will p take one big oh shit moment for you to figure out like I need help. Or it just takes time because for Charlotte, she had the time to figure out she needed help with the trauma that she dealt with. While for Lizzie, it took a really big oh shit moment of like re revelation for it. But yeah, so I highly, I really do recommend this movie. It's on Netflix. Like I said, it's a Netflix original. So if you have a Netflix account, it's going to be on there. Um, a couple quick trivia things for this movie is when Anton is showing the chapel to new student Zhang Li, he asked her to sing a musical note, specifically an A sharp. 
The note Zhang Li that then sings is indeed a perfect A sharp, which would indicate Zhang Li has perfect pitch, a rare talent only exceptional musicians possess in which they are able to sing or identify any note by ear. Um, that's a really cool fun fact about that because that's one of the driving points of this movie too is the fact that both Charlotte and Lizzie were so, were so musically talented and that's why like they went to this school and also Charlotte was just so musically gifted that even after she went 10 years without touching a cello she played a perfect melody with Lizzie on their first go and yeah. so like this whole thing is also about building up the fact that you know you could have this perfect talent but something can still take that away and ruin it for you without without any regards to your own wants and needs. Yeah. That life can get away because Charlotte had to like give up her dreams to take care of her mom. But you know what? It's okay because everyone will get to that point in at their own pace and when they need to. Mm -hmm. Because she ended up finding you know finding herself and finding her lo her love and her like and her life at a slower rate than Lizzie did because life got in the way for Charlotte, but she still found her way there. So I still, I also like the fact that it's like, it's okay. You don't have to get there right away. Things will get there when they need to. Right. So highly, again, highly recommend this movie. Buckets of blood rating. I would say probably a 3.5 to a four because it never doesn't really come out till the end. But when it does happen, it fucking happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was my review on the perfection. You watch it on Netflix. Okay. Yeah, you can watch it on Netflix again. <laughs> Netflix original. Obviously. <laughs> oh, with that yeah. in mind, ghouls, gals, creeps, mutants, that brings us to another end of a fantastic movie review episode. If you want to keep up with everything we're doing, you know where to follow us. Like us and follow us on Facebook, such as Punk Rock Horror Podcast, or Twitter at official PRHP, or, or on Instagram, Punk Rock Horror Podcast, hashtag PRHP Podcast. You can also follow me on there at the Undead Matt. Thank you again, ghouls, gals, creeps, students alike, for just being fantastic supporters, listeners, and fans all across the nation and the world. You all are amazing. We love the living shit out of every single one of you. Thank you so much. Tune in again next time when we talk about horror with you again. Bye. Bye.